Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. podcast and tonight i am joined by my buddy steve uh how's it going good good so after the last episode where i talked about how young people in the workforce tend to kind of suck i put out at the end of the episode hey if you got some opinions you got thoughts like let's talk about it because there's a lot more to delve into on this topic and steve hit me up and said hey uh i'm nobody but i'd love to talk about this and that's the perfect person for this show because if if any of the actual somebodies who listen to this are uh, are listening, I don't ask people on because you're somebody. I ask you on because I think you're a person that I could have an enjoyable conversation with. And Steve and I have had a little back and forth on Twitter anyway, so I know we can have an enjoyable conversation, and I think this one's going to be fun. Speaking of young people, go, dear. Go take a shower. <laughs> this is the hazard of doing evening shows when I'm home. <laughs> is there are kids and... and wife and eventually the dogs uh, like right around 8 45 the dogs just tend to completely lose their shit for some reason uh, <laughs> so that's always a and and on the topic of young people uh our kids have been not cleaning their room not putting up their clothes so so we're in a we're in a hating young people mood tonight anyway so but we're going to take this from young people to young people in the workforce um steve Tell me what you thought about the reason and um, shoot. Now I forgot what the fee. Yes, yes. Fee. Um, so the the article about uh, John Mackey and his takes on socialism and young people in the workforce and kind of the the wrong direction that that's trending um, from the last from the last episode, and then we'll kind of pick it up and, and go forward from there because there are some interesting things that have been. Uh, kind of making the the social media buzz over the last couple of weeks that tie well into this, and I, I want to go into that stuff too. Yeah, I like the interview that he had with uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name now. Um, 
It was a good interview, though. Um, the one thing that was interesting, though, was his his perception of Whole Foods and their culture and the perception that I had from having to work with Whole Foods. I didn't work for them, but I used to deliver to them. And it was an incredibly different perception that he has of Whole Foods than actually dealing with the people on the dock or dealing with delivering there. It was it was incredibly different um, dynamic than what he was portraying the company to be. I get the feeling from reading and seeing and hearing some stuff from him that um, what his idea of Whole Foods and like in in founding it and and everything what his idea of it versus what it has become, because it has really kind of become I, I like if you say whole foods, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, okay, that's like the woke social justice grocery store. Yeah, very <laughs> much, very much. And everybody that works there that I've met is all the super woke, super leftists, and it costs an arm and a league to shop there anyways. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like it, it's not the narrative that he is saying, and that's what I didn't understand about it. I mean, I if if the grocery store he described existed, I would shop there, but it doesn't. So, I think, I think the founding of it and the idea that he had for it, as opposed to what it has become, are two very different things. Which you can see, you can see that in in a lot of the things he he says. Like he has a very specific idea of what what is good for culture and what's good for the economy. And, and I think, uh, so I did the episode about the, the, um, white nationalist farmers markets a couple weeks ago. <laughs> that one was great. I, I think, I think John Mackey's like idea for whole foods was that like, it would be like the farmer's market, but on a larger scale. Like yeah. you would have, you would have that those, you would have those values in a like name brand chain store. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's what he wants, but that's not what it is. Right, like that's so. I think he's still, and that's probably um, a large part of the reason why he is the the outgoing CEO because I do think the the culture probably doesn't align with him, or maybe maybe he doesn't align with what their culture has become. Uh, yeah, very much. And, and that's the funny part is that everything he was describing in that interview were the people that work for him. And that that was just like you're describing these people that all work for you. I I, I don't understand like either either he doesn't know who works for him or he doesn't like who works for him. But that was interesting too in the interview he said that he can't really say much until he's out of there. So I think once he leaves I think he might say that stuff. I don't. I'm not sure. Oh, from from the way um, the article that I was looking at last week was kind of portraying it. Once he's out, he is going to be a lot more vocal and and a lot less reserved on a lot of his opinions on this stuff. So, um, and I wonder, I wonder how that's going to change the business itself. Like once he is out, because if if he's running it from like behind the scenes or from like the CEO position and still having some of that type of an influence on the company and, and how the company is being run once he's out. I mean, like, like Trey says here, like whole foods has been co-opted. Like it, yeah. it is, it is a part of that, 
woke progressive movement. So once he's out, it's it's only natural that they're going to put somebody in charge that aligns with the woke progressive type of stuff. Like, what direction does that company go? Because I, I mean, the uh, go woke go bro- go woke go broke has been pretty pretty well played out uh, over the last several years. Like you you see it you see it happen almost almost per- with perfect consistency. So. Mm-hmm what's going to happen to Whole Foods once he's actually out? Cause it like, it almost seems like he's the only thing that's really kind of uh, kept this thing from going just completely like bat shit. They're either going to go broke or they're going to go full Amazon, sell out fully to Amazon and let Amazon run it. And Amazon's been successful being woke. So I don't know. I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen at that point if they go full Amazon. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Uh, yeah, that would, that would be an interesting dynamic i guess yeah i mean trader joe's is also woke but i love shopping there they have great stuff so so we have we don't have a whole foods here but we have a fresh time and i really expected fresh time to kind of be that and it hasn't been or at least here it hasn't become that uh like you're not going to walk into the store without seeing half a dozen lesbians but Mm -hmm. like they're all really friendly and cool and like it's not like it's not a place that puts politics above good food and and uh, like and they actually have good prices and so it's yeah not, they, yeah we have one up here in Grand Rapids we actually go shopping up there too um, Whole Foods just opened up but we haven't been to that one yet <laughs> Trey says they have Publix so it's a, it's a southern thing <laughs> yeah. but. <laughs> So the the part of the uh, <laughs> Magoo says half a dozen lesbians sounds like a killer 90s band. It does. Uh, it does. And then Aldi. So like we can talk about all the different food stores, I guess, but that wasn't really the point of tonight's episode. <laughs> you got Aldi, Fresh Time, Publix, Whole Foods. Um, anybody still got like a Piggly Wiggly or a, like we've got a lot of IGAs around here, which um, the IGAs are, they tend to have a little bit higher price like regular stuff off the shelves but their meat prices are always great their bakery items are really good and, and always well priced like if if you're going there for like a, a box of cereal and the regular stuff it's going to be more expensive but if you're going there for like good meat and good good stuff that they actually produce there in the store you're going to get better prices and better quality uh food so do you so guys have like myers down there uh we have we do have one here there it's I think we're on like the southern the southern end of it. Like I don't think I don't think Meyer goes much further south than he, than here. That's pretty much all we have up here in Meyer and then we have a like a off-brand store but they're extremely expensive. So I pretty much do farmers market and buy like a quarter cow every 4 to 6 months. So Oh nice. All right, so so on to the the main topic that we're here to talk about, not just the uh, not just grocery stores and farmers markets, um, young people in the workplace. And have you have you seen or uh, got any thoughts on quiet quitting? Yeah, that was a good article. Um, it was interesting because I'm kind of in that place right now where I'm kind of doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in a job right now that's. Uh, it's interesting um but 
I do understand why people do that because you do more and you're not getting raises or you do more and there's no, there's no promotions, nothing like that. So I understand why people are doing that, but it is an issue with people not doing, even doing their job description as well. We have a guy that works that just got hired in. He's a high school kid, barely does anything. So, like when I was looking at it, I, I was, I was trying to think about it. Like, I guess to some lesser extent, I'm somewhat guilty of it. Um, like I do my job and I excel at my job and, but I don't do anything more than what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I, and I don't have aspirations of moving up in the company or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm at a good spot. I have a very good salary. I really like what I do. I like the people that work for me and I just like, I don't have a lot of incentive or, or motivation to, to go beyond where I currently am. I'm not slacking on my job. Uh, I think I would argue that I'm one of the best supervisors we have in the department or, you know, in the department. Uh, and my boss <laughs> backs that up pretty consistently. Uh, like, but I, I don't, I'm not going above and beyond. Uh, I think, I think maybe the, the problem that I kind of have with this and where I've seen it, uh, perusing social media and looking at this quiet quitting stuff is I get it. Like I get it the way it's explained in, in the wall street journal article here. That makes sense. And it's, uh, as Trace says, it's a good thing for workers. Like it is something that is necessary in, in today's, uh, day and age. Like you need to have some work life balance and, uh, disconnect. But what you're seeing on like, social media and stuff, especially from like the Gen Zers and the younger generation is, uh, yeah, I'm definitely Mark's best supervisor ever. What you're seeing in the younger generations is it's not like, it's not quiet quitting in the way of like they're doing their job and excelling at their job. It's they're like, I would say barely doing the minimum amount to not get fired. Like, and that's, that's where I have a problem. Like if you're going to do the, I, I get it. I'm not going to answer my phone when I'm on my vacation. I'm not going to check my emails when I'm off work. I'm, you know, I'm not going to do a bunch of extra stuff on top of my normal job. I get it. You should still be striving to like excel at your own job and to do the things that you're, that you are expected to do like, well, if you're just like, half-assing it and barely scraping by doing the minimal amount to not get fired. And that's where it becomes a problem. Yeah. Then you deserve to get fired. Yeah. When, if, if you're going to come in and yeah, like you said, half-ass it, not really do much, not do what you're asked to do. Just kind of there just to get the eight hours and then leave. There's no use to have you there. You might as well just not even be there. But the problem is, is that there's people that are so desperate for bodies to just do whatever minimal work they can that they're keeping people around and not getting rid of them. And I know there are some older generations that are maybe experiencing or going through some level of this. I, like I'm 38, I'll be 39 in a couple months. You know, I'm, I'm going through my own version of it. But like I said, like I, I still do everything I'm supposed to do and excel at what I'm doing. Uh, 
And you see that in others that are, you know, in in their 30s or 40s that are kind of doing this sort of thing is, is they are they are still excelling. They are still exceptional workers. They're just not going like that three steps ahead. You know, they're they're just going to the to the upper end of what's expected of them. But like the younger generations don't seem to have any interest in that. And, and so I'm going to get to Trey because he is a little bit younger uh, here in just a second. Like something that I've noticed in a lot of these articles that it talks about is all of these younger workers are looking for, like they're looking for that thing that gives them purpose. They're looking for some job with meaning. And I, I don't, Look, we, we can talk about your experience with this as well, but like, I don't think I've ever had a job where I felt like my job gave me purpose or meaning. And if I did, I think I'm probably in the wrong line of work. Like if I'm, if I'm getting my purpose and meaning from something that, uh, like from punching a clock or, or, you know, the, uh, going into a, a corporation, uh, Feel like my purpose and my meaning was kind of shallow like i get my purpose and meaning from my kids and from things i do you know in my community and with with friends and family like a job is a job it's something to do and it it's nice if it's something that you enjoy but it, i don't feel like you should be trying to find some super meaningful work like that that's i think those are dime a dozen like people have uh passion projects that they do but if that's like your career either uh either it's something that you're well funded for or you're probably rich or you know you've uh like those are rare and few and far between or, or you're like into missionary work and stuff like that and you're okay with living a impoverished life yeah i mean i can see i can see that you know being your passion like if you're working for a church or if you're working for an ngo and you're giving food to people or whatever. Like that's a passion. That's something that, but yeah, I mean, half the time in my life, my jobs have been just because I need to provide for my family. My, my, my only goal with my working is to provide for my family. And my family is where I get my joy. My family is where I get my, um, where I, why I work. It's not because I love what I do. No, I, I do like what I do on some level. You know, I do photography. I enjoy it. It's a fun gig. I have I have fun doing it when I'm really rocking it out. But, like, there's times where it sucks. And, like, so this whole thing of, like, I'm going to do it because this is my passion or because I want to, you know, be this famous YouTuber or something like that. It's just not going to happen. That's not why I do it. You know, and that's what it's funny because my son a while back was like, you know, he wanted to be a uh, electrician. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, he's like, I want to be a YouTuber. And I was just like, oh, I failed. <laughs> you know, I was trying to get him to to go into electrician or plumbing or something like that to where he would always have a job. But now he is like wants to be an artist and a YouTuber, which is I can't really complain because. I mean, I do photography. It's an art. You know? So I understand that. But I also know that there's times where art doesn't pay. <laughs> so, so, well, I mean, and that, that's that's always the kind of the running joke in the 
the world of professions is the struggling artists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're they're always broke between between checks between gigs. That's um, why that's why California is full of uh, waitresses and waiters who are just waiting for their big break with the with the right script. You know, it's um, if you're going to go into the arts, you you need to have a backup plan. Like uh, I've considered, you know, doing the video editing and stuff, and and was very strongly moving in that direction for for a short uh, short period of time especially if things with vaccine mandates and everything had gone mm -hmm. in a different direction. Um, like that's, that's what I would be doing now, but like, it was just dumb luck that I stumbled into that kind of stuff and that it paid even as well as it did. And, yeah. and even with as well as, as it paid, like it would still have been a stroke. Like I'd, I'd have had to pick up a uh, like side gig of some sort to, to round out the bills and stuff. Like I wouldn't have to work, full time, but I would still have to do something else on the side to, to keep up with everything. Uh, like, like if you're going to go into the arts, you, you have to either be in, uh, you have to be in either like a corporate type of a thing or just like catch a whole lot of lucky breaks and, and more or less stumble your way into success. I kind of, I mean, I kind of feel like, uh, yeah. I know there are people who have bust their ass and really work, but, but you always hear about like, they catch that big break. Uh, like you, that's kind of a, uh, an essential key to six being successful in the arts. Yeah. And I think people think kids today, I mean, I, I think kids think everything comes easy. And so they expect like to be, you know, do like 10 YouTube's videos and start making a million dollars being a YouTuber. And so I think that's part of the problem too, is that they don't understand that it takes years and years and years of work to get to be successful at whatever you want to do, especially if it's in the arts. I mean, I've had, I've had phenomenal years of shooting and I've had really, really crappy dry years where I was bartending because it was so bad. <laughs> so, you know, it's like you take the work when it's there, you take what you can get. And I mean, right now I'm trying to diversify. I'm trying to start a few other things. So I have a few other gigs going. So I'm not relying on just one thing anymore. That took me 30 years of doing this to figure out. So I think that's another important maybe takeaway from some of the some of the stuff that I'm seeing like social media wise with the quiet quitting stuff is um, like the ones who are doing it, they're not pursuing other things. They're they're pursuing uh, leisure activities or which I get it like that's that stuff's important, but when you're at a certain age, um, you've, you've got to be willing to prioritize what's important to, to getting yourself to that stage of life. Like that stage of life doesn't come right away. Uh, you don't, you don't just like fall out of college and have a six figure gig and can just, you know, travel, travel the world and, dick off and work whenever you feel like i mean that's but isn't that's that the lie of the internet isn't it the lie of like the van life people that you know they have this great van they're traveling they have all these wonderful pictures of them like you know waking up in the sunrise and and like you know hanging out at the cool things and you know they don't show they don't show the stuff where their van's broken down or they're broke or they're you know having to 
do something to make money for a couple of weeks so they can get back out of the road. They don't show any of that stuff. They just show everything as being this perfect little, you know, everything's working out, everything's great, and that's what that's what people expect. They expect everything to be perfect. They don't expect to actually have to work or to actually have to sacrifice or work really hard so you can take a week's vacation. They don't understand that. And I guess that's going to go to some of the Trey is kind of talking about over here on the side is um, like that. I feel like a lot of that is the responsibility and maybe the fault of parents. Um, they're not raising their kids with the realistic expectations for that stuff. I, um, I guess I was lucky in that regard. My dad being a farmer and self-employed as a, an appraiser, like, he busted his ass all the time. And so like, that was just my assumption growing up is that's what you do. You, you just bust ass all the time. And, yeah. and then I made the mistake of going into a field where uh, for three, three or four months out of the year, like you literally just busted your ass all the time. It was uh, in, in the grain industry, like from late July, early August until like mid November, it is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, if you get to, if you get enough time to go home, take a shower and sleep for four hours, you had a good day. And, and that was, that was my reality for about eight years was you know, three, four months out of the year. I didn't go home. I, I went home literally long enough to take a shower, uh, sleep and then change clothes. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that was part of it. And I moved up very quickly in, in that career because I was willing to do that. And if, if the call came that, Hey, we've got a facility in Mississippi that just had an explosion and they're going to be rebuilding it. Can you go oversee the rebuild? Sweet. Cool. Let's do it. Hey, we've got a facility down in Louisiana that is building ground piles. Can you go oversee the, the ground piles? Cool. Let's do it. I, I just, uh, go live out of a hotel for a month and uh, to my own detriment, abandon my family for, for that time and go do what needed to be done. And, and I moved up very quickly. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have those same aspirations now, but if I wanted to, I could probably do something similar in the current job that I'm in and, and move up as fast as I want to wherever I want. Uh, it's, I, I don't see that drive from the younger generation. Like, that just seems like it's something that um, being asked to go live out of a hotel for a month to, to do something like that would be off putting or uh, a disruption to, to their lives. Uh, And I mean, that's, I guess that's kind of the point. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I started working for my dad when I was, it was like six or seven. I started going in with him on Saturdays to his store and I would stock shelves and ring up customers. I got a dollar a day. You know, it's like, that's what I started doing. I mowed lawns when I wasn't working for him. I did whatever it took to make money so that I could, so that I could buy the things I wanted. And there was no, like, I didn't get stuff. My parents didn't like buy us cars or houses or anything like that. We just, we had to work for it when we wanted it. We got vacations, but that was about it. And I, I, yeah, I see, I see that like my older son works and he works pretty hard, but my younger son thinks everything just should be given to him. And it's, it's interesting to watch the dynamic. And it's like, I thought we taught them how to work well and how to bust their butt. But 
I don't, it, it's, I think it's part of, it's, I think a lot of it is parents, but I also think a lot of it is like what's going on in society. Again, it's, 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 you know, Hey, this, you, this guy's on YouTube and he makes, you know, a million dollars a year on YouTube. So I think I can do that too. They think everything comes easy and it doesn't. Or they want to, uh, they want to be on or play esports or, mm-hmm. um, like, like you're going to win some world championship at Fortnite or like, yeah. you know, all this crazy shit. It's like, you've, you've got a better chance of being struck by lightning while you, uh, get caught while the winning lottery number gets called. Like you, yeah. that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. But then again, that's why we tried to teach our, our youngest were like, Hey, go into, you know, be an electrician, be a plumber, and then you can work out in your art and do that stuff on the side. But, find something that you can fall back on because you're going to need to. See, I, I blame this on the parenting thing again. Like, I, I definitely didn't have that kind of parenting. Um, and, and I'm definitely not that kind of parent. I, I, I'm not going to say that I go out of my way to try to make sure my kids fail from time to time, but uh, I definitely don't do anything to prevent it. Like, I, I don't I don't like that kind of uh, what is it the the lawnmower parenting that that they as they call it like it's not even the helicopter parenting where they they hover over and and watch for everything like they it's they call it the lawnmower parent because they go out and they just mow everything down before the kid even has a chance to mm-hmm. to run across it like where that has come from and and uh, like it is the later boomers but a lot of that is the gen z parents too and like the uh the early millennials i guess like because i'm technically a millennial so i'm old enough to have kids you know in that 20 ish range where they'd be coming into the workforce and and experiencing a lot of this like um i think that's getting into the generation of parents that have for whatever reason, kind of been the lawnmower parents and mowed everything down and removed obstacles from their kids' lives. Like uh, not wanting kids to fail, not wanting kids to feel like they didn't do something Uh, like the participation trophies and everything else. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I I don't understand that. Like it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like failure is the best teacher in life. Like, uh, yeah, you know, Liz Cheney talking about Abe Lincoln and all the times he lost. They, I mean, there's something to be said for that. Um, yeah. Look at look at Alexander the Great. How many times did he fail? And yet he still, you know, managed to conquer most of the known world at the time. Like, uh, you know, no great, no great general or anything ever, never lost a battle. Like they all have those failures that kind of, mold and shape who they are and and help them become what makes them great uh, i mean like, wasn't it steve jobs who lost his company and then a few years later bought it back and made it to what it is i mean i'm using my iphone and my imac <laughs> you know it's like he did that too he he basically built the company up from nothing again i mean or, that's what you have to do you if you don't fail you will never learn if you don't have failures well, I'm like the left is so so keen on talking about the bankrupt businesses of Donald Trump and stuff. 
Like you, you don't become a multi-billionaire uh, without having learned from those failures or, or knowing how to take a strategic loss. Yeah. Like, knowing how to manage the fail. Right. Like um, yeah. for, for people who like play football or, or like any kind of a contact sport, learning how to fall correctly mm-hmm. is invaluable. Like if you know how to fall properly, you can keep from getting hurt. Yeah. Um, and, and you also see it in people who don't know how to fall. Like mm-hmm. they, they break stuff, they twist stuff. They, they end up even worse off than they would have if they had just fallen. So like, that's how failure is. Like failure is you either learn how to fall and you learn how to fail and you take something from it or like you crash and burn. And, and I think what's happening in these like younger generations is they haven't had the chance to learn how to fall the right way. And they haven't had anybody that like brought them along and taught them how to fall the right way. And so now when they're getting into adulthood and it's kind of punching them in the face, they're, they're blowing up or they're imploding or like they can't handle it because nobody taught them that. And, uh, you know, to Trey's point on an earlier uh, comment where he says, you know, parenting is a lifetime gig, not 18 years. Like a lot of these uh, younger parents, once the kids out of the house, like, like peace. And that's it, which I can't say anything. I've told my kids once they're 18, it's a GTFO, (laughs) but, but, yeah, I mean, I've done the same thing. I told my one kid, I'm like, as soon as 18, you better figure out where you're moving because you ain't living here. Well, I'm, I'm like, not going to make him do that right away. <laughs> my stepson is 20, and he's he's on his own. And when he decided he was ready to move out, I helped him pack all of his stuff up. And I got it all loaded up in the truck, and, and I sat down with him. I said, all right, when we do this, like, this is a one-way trip. You can leave, but you don't – like, I'm not coming – six months from now to help you load all this stuff back up and come back. Like once you're out, you're out. So think really hard about this before we leave this driveway. Do you want to do this? And he was like, yes, I do. Like I'm, this is the the decision I've made. Like, okay, good. And to his credit, I know he's gone through some rough patches and he hasn't ever asked to come back, but we also help him with stuff. Like we, we didn't just completely abandon him and throw him to the wolves. Like, yeah, we're still there for him as parents. Like, and that's, uh, that's the thing that I want my other kids to understand as well is like, once they hit that point, like I will help you load all your stuff up and move out when you're ready to move out, but you're not coming back. But at the same time, like if you need something like ask, don't, I'm not, I'm not abandoning you. I'm just giving you the opportunity to go learn how to fail. Well, I think some people, you know, some parents ignore their kids too for the like, most of their life. So they, you get these kids that have no, they have no um, social skills, no, no skills at all. And then they go into the workforce and then they can't literally can't do anything because their parents haven't taught them anything. And part of the problem is that you have these, I just think you have kids that, that don't know how to act in society and i see it all the time i see it with some of my oldest son's friends they just they don't know how to act in society at all and then that kind of takes us to the uh the business insider one that i had sent you today that was sort of a follow-up to or i don't know if it's a follow-up or 
goes hand in hand with, but it's along the same lines as the the quiet quitting is uh, workers are workers are saying that employees are guilty of quiet firing. Um, what were your just kind of initial thoughts on on this article? Uh, glancing through it and reading over it and, and some of the takeaway from it, especially in, in conjunction with the, the quiet quitting stuff. Well, I think, I think there's some truth to it, but I also think it's the way that some businesses have always been. I think some businesses, like if you go in for a review and they're like, Hey, everything's great. Uh, we love the way you work. You're doing a great job. Awesome. Have a great day. And you don't sit down and say, okay, well, I want a 20% raise. You're not going to get a raise. If you don't do the ask, they're not going to give it to you. So I think that's a big part of this is that they're saying that that uh, businesses aren't giving out raises, but people aren't asking for it either. I went in for my review. I told my boss I want a 20% raise. They came back with a 10% raise. That's what I wanted in the first place. So I got it. And, you know, so you just, unless you go in and ask, and there's a guy that's been there for eight years that says he hasn't gotten a raise in the last four years, but he hasn't asked for it. So I think part of it is the person going into the job or going in with expectations, you know, and and I I knew somebody that she would switch jobs every four months. And within two years, she was making three times what she was making when she started jumping jobs. Because every time she would leave to go to another job, they would give her more money. That's why she was going to the other job. She was really good at that. I, I, I don't know. I think part of it is the generation, but I also think part of it is people not knowing how to ask for that stuff either. I definitely see that in, especially in the younger generations is there is such a hesitance to say anything like ever. Mm-hmm. I, yep. I, and I, I don't get that, especially with like the, uh, the social, it's like the social media generation. Like you would think they would be more outspoken. They would be more vocal about that stuff, but it, it just doesn't happen. Like, well, they are if you're anonymous on the screen. You know, they'll tell you to go F off and, you know, tell you to do whatever. But, you know, if they're standing in front of you, they're not going to say that stuff. Well, that's like in a previous job that I had, um, since she's standing right there, my wife would always, like, make fun of me because I would get races all the time. It's like uh, the more stuff they put on my plate, the yeah, more money, right? Right. Like every time I would get more stuff, I would take it. I would succeed at it. And then I'd be like, Hey, uh, it's time to pay up. Like you gate, you asked me to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I did it. I crushed it. Now you get to pay me for doing it. And, yeah. every, and every time that I did that, I got a raise. Like, um, yep. <laughs> I, I think in four years I got, what was it? Seven or eight raises and four promotions in four years. Like, yeah, they would give me more stuff. I would crush it. And then I'd be like, okay, I did my part. Now it's your turn. And, and I, I think I only threatened to quit once and, and I didn't even, <laughs> she says my boss was scared of me. Uh, <laughs> and he might've been, uh, I did, I did have my boss one time uh, when I went in to, to do a review. He said, honestly, I don't know what you do, but I know we couldn't do what we do if you didn't do it. So we're just going to say everything was good. So maybe he was quite quitting and just didn't pay attention. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there was never a time that I asked that I didn't get what I wanted. And 
and I only threatened to quit once and it, I only jokingly threatened to quit. Like it was, I was pissed off because some stuff had gone crazy and I was like, I think I'm just done. I'm a fucking quit. And, and then my boss was like, what can we do to calm you down? I was like, well, you know, some more money would probably help. He's like, okay, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think part of it too is like, if, if you're somebody, you know, you're 19 years old and you're working at McDonald's and you're showing up and barely doing anything, they're not going to offer you a raise. Why would they? You're there. You're doing the bare minimum. You're not going to get a raise. But if you're showing up, taking extra shifts, you know, you're staying late and cleaning and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm going to give you a raise and I'm going to promote you. So I think mean, the big part of it is like I understand why people why they're saying the quiet firing because if you're not doing the work, why would I promote you? Why would I pay you more? Why would I bother? to do any of that it it just doesn't make any sense why i would do that so i think they kind of go hand in hand and it's like if you're going to do your half-ass job fine do a half-ass job you're not going to get paid anymore for doing that you know why would i give you a raise if you're not valuable to me i think that's the value thing is is the most important piece of this that really gets overlooked is like what is your value? Uh, I think Trey said it in a, in a comment earlier, like, you know, in the corporation, you'll be replaced the next day. Mm-hmm. What's your value? Like, um, you know, like, like with my old job, the, you know, the one that I got all the raises and promotions, like um, they couldn't replace me the next day. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody knew what I did. And, mm-hmm. and since, uh, since COVID and leaving, I've, I've stopped by a couple times and talked to the uh, one of the guys who I was good friends with and who also worked in one of those similar positions that uh, nobody really knew what he did either. But it was one of those things that if he wasn't doing it, like if he was out sick for a week, everybody knew that he was out because all the things that he did just suddenly stopped. Um, he's the plant manager now and, and like talking to him and stuff, they still really don't have anybody – doing my role anymore like it's a combination of four or five different people taking on small pieces of my role uh like at different times so like it's it's interesting to see stuff like that like what's the value that you're bringing um yeah. like and you may not be getting quiet fired you just may be getting shuffled to the well you know that's the low value end of the pool we can just kind of do with them what we want because if they do decide to leave then we can replace them this week. Yeah. Well, Trey just said, I mean, if you're valued, you're going to work harder. You know, I had, I had an assistant for about a year and a half. She assisted me on weddings when I used to photograph weddings and I valued her. I would give her extra money. I would, you know, constantly telling her how great she was and how much I valued her. And that made a difference because she worked her butt off. I mean, there was, there was one time where she ran two blocks to go find somebody like ran two blocks like, I can't run 10 feet. <laughs> she ran two blocks to go get somebody and then came back and grabbed my 60-pound camera bag and threw it on her back and walked away with us. You know, I was like, she's a super valuable person. Um, I was sad to see when she moved. You know, she moved to go New York to go do other jobs. But, I mean, it was – I she would be the best personal assistant anybody could ever have. Um, and then I had an assistant right after her that I fired after – maybe two hours because he was horrible. So it's just, 
if if you if you work hard and if if you're somebody that's working with you says, hey, look, I value what you do. You're doing a great job. They're going to work harder. They get more money. Yeah, and I think that um, a lot of times too, you get into, you get into these places, you get into a job where you're not valued. So why why would you bust your butt for somebody that doesn't give a crap? You know, doesn't care that they know they can replace you within ten seconds. I do like um, I like incentive based work to some extent, um, like with. During COVID, I worked at Lowe's and I was a sales specialist. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the like the specialist salary wasn't great, but the bonuses were awesome, especially if you made like all of your sales goals and stuff. And so like that gives you an incentive to really hustle and get after it and, and go like really go above and beyond. And, and I always hit all my sales goals and I always got the like nice monthly and quarterly bonuses and stuff. And so even though I was making less money hourly than I had been previously, I was making more money because I was always getting all the bonuses. Uh, like that kind of job, I think works well for people who have more of a uh, or are more incentive driven and and like want to to have some go get it. Uh, and and I wanted to comment on a couple comments that Trey made. Uh, he says they won't pay me for working hard. That's not how HR works. But then he also says I I do my best at my current job because my bosses rewarded us and treated me well. Uh, I think, I think that's a problem in, especially in corporate America is especially for younger people. Uh, HR is kind of this like albatross or like, uh, it's like the weight around your neck. Like it's dragging people down and my wife works in HR. So like, that's as bad as I'm going to say anything about HR. But like there are some big failings with human resources departments, especially in large corporations, and that they do kind of create a drag. Whereas if you're having more of a one on one interaction with your boss, with whoever your direct report is, like the people who are uh, actually behind the decision making, like that goes a, a lot further. Like have a have a decent relationship with HR, but the relationship should really be with your boss. Like that's that's where your your advancement and your raises and the the uh, like the things that are going to to actually be rewarding for the work that you're doing like that's where it's going to come from like avoid HR like the fucking plague if you can. Well, n- not saying this about your wife because I don't know her, but every HR person I've ever met has been incredibly phony. <laughs> she, she like uh, she genuinely cares about it and does a good job. Like she was the she did HR at. Lowe's when I was working at that store and like she she actually cares about like doing a good job but I'm yeah, sure I mean, there are some that do but I don't think for the most part that they do I mean, my wife tells me all the time about you know so she has a question for HR she'll send somebody a question I'll be like oh that's Bob and she'll send Bob the message she'll be like oh that's June June will send it so oh, that's Bob and they'll just bounce them back and forth and never get an answer well that's so. um I guess I've been fortunate to have like good HR people in my last two or three jobs, her included. Uh, mm-hmm. But like early on in my career, the HR people were a complete fucking nightmare. Like if you wanted answers to something, uh, like you're not getting it from HR. 
or like the only time that you would get an answer from HR was to to tell you that you did something wrong and and like come after you for the way that you went about trying to get the answers to stuff. Like it was always always terrible and like everybody hated hated them. But yeah, I mean most HR people are I think fall into that category. You do have the the rare the rare good ones and I, I've been very blessed in my careers to uh to have worked with some good ones. Uh well in HR too for like um, schools, they're hiring all these woke teachers that are you know teaching these kids to cut stuff off and to add stuff on and uh you know to bring these teachers in that have their black lives matter and their 50 different color flags on their walls and are poisoning our kids you know they're the ones doing that it's it's them that are hiring those people there may be something to what trey is saying here he says i think you guys just see a different structure of the business that us millennials ran up against uh Maybe that's right. I've I have definitely been in different types of industries than what I, I have not sat at a desk at any point in my life, or not in a like not in an office office or a cubicle. Like I have had a desk, but my desk is not like with other people in a building. I, I work in warehouses. I work in like grain elevators. I work out in the middle of nowhere. Um, like the only time I've had a like a, a, a desk was the desk at, at Lowe's. <laughs> like, um, usually it's, you know, it's in a warehouse somewhere or it's, it's in the plant somewhere. Like you're in the middle of the hustle and the bustle. You're not sitting in a, and, and it's in like factory settings. It's like, uh, moving parts and rail cars and barges and dust and, uh, Ex- plastic extruders and you know yeah and i've been self-employed almost my whole life probably 60 percent of my life i've been self-employed so it's it's there's a big difference there too yeah so we we probably do have significantly different experiences and i i don't know i, I mean i guess i guess maybe like the the nine to five office cubicle is something that some people want to do, but I feel like there's enough opportunities in diverse fields that you're going to make more money. You're going to have more one-on-one time with your boss. You're going to have more opportunity for upper mobility and growth. Uh, like let the people who, have uh, the trained pencil pushers like do that and, and find something that maybe it's not meaningful work. You know, maybe it's not some, passion of yours but find something that's at least engaging and and entertaining like i never thought you know running the shipping department for a liquor company was something that i would want to do and it's definitely not something that's like a passion of mine but it is really entertaining and it is really interesting and it's there are some times when it can be fun and i have a great crew because it's in bfe kentucky with a bunch of rednecks and like half of my crew are uh, like conspiracy theorists and they're not full on into Q stuff, but they follow it enough that they know what's going on and, and they'll tell me about it. And like, it's, it's fun. Like, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. You know? And, and that's the way it was in the plastics plant. It, it was a bunch of, uh, we were a second chance employer. So we had a bunch of ex cons and, mm-hmm. and just like generally rough around the edges, weird, 
people. Uh, it was the same in the grain industry. Like you had old boat hands and uh, also ex-cons and just like rough around the edges rednecks. I, we had a we had a true coon ass Cajun that worked for us at one facility down in Arkansas. And when I first met him, I did not understand a single word that came out of that man's mouth. Um, like eventually you pick it up and you, you figure it out, but man, like at first, and I'm, I'm pretty fucking redneck and it took me some time to figure out what he was saying. So like getting out of normal, like normal corporate America and, and getting into some of those different fields, there's going to be more money. There's going to be more opportunity. There's going to be like unique experiences that make it fun and, and keep you engaged and, and even do give you maybe a little bit of a drive to, Hey, you know, like, what can I do just extra, like to make this uh, better for me or, you know, better for my coworkers. Like it's, I think that's something that's missing too is, um, and there has been some articles and things that have talked about it is the lack of like team building and stuff that has come from remote work and COVID and everything. And, and that is something that one of these articles talked about was uh, I think it was the wall street journal one about the quiet quitting is like a lot of these younger Gen Z's have come into the workforce during COVID when everything was really scattered and, and in a weird place. And so they haven't gotten the team building that, that they would have had. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yes. More team building. You need to be doing trust falls and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, I just hear team building 99. <laughs> I can't remember what, what that was. Who flight of the Concords. That's what it was. See, you're not at work to make friends, but that doesn't mean you can't be friends with the people you work with. Uh, yes. Like now, see, I think I think the the one good thing that happened from COVID was people working from home. I think that was one of the that was probably the only good thing that happened from COVID. I think you had parents wake up to what their kids were getting in school, and I also think that it it created a different work life balance than what people had before, where people were like in the office for ten hours a day. Now they're at home, and I think that's. I think that's probably the only good thing that came out of COVID. I could be wrong, but I think that was too. Uh, I think it was. I think it was definitely awakening for a lot of parents to uh, to see some of what was going on with their kids and and to have an opportunity to kind of uh, change the dynamic of how they went about their work life balance and stuff like that. Uh, I agree with Magoo, by the way. Yeah, some of my best friends I met at work, and same for goes for some of the people I hate the most. Uh, and and like what Trey says, Trey says he's at work to make money. Yeah, uh, I'm at work to hang out and fuck off, and they're going to pay me to do that. The only way that I can successfully hang out and fuck off is if I have a good relationship with the people that I'm hanging out and fucking off with. And, yeah. and that's like, I'm in management. I have been my entire professional career. And that's always been my approach is we are here to get a job done. And as long as we can get that job done around our hanging out and fucking off, then all the better. Like the uh, my crew really likes working for me because I'm not going to breathe down your neck. I'm not going to constantly be like badgering you to do stuff. I'm not going to 
I'm going to give everybody their work assignment for the night and we're going to get it shit and we're going to get shit done. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the night, we're all, you know, we're all going to say, see you tomorrow and go home. And, and like other supervisors don't do that. They, they switch people around throughout the shift nonstop or like they're constantly hounding them. Hey, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you going faster? Why aren't you going faster? I don't do any of that. Like when the guys want to talk to me, they come to the desk and we talk and we hang out and we chat and then they go get back to work. And mm-hmm. we have consistently the best numbers of any of the crews because like the guys just go work and they don't feel pressure to, uh, they're not pushing. I feel like, I feel like the other shifts like push back against that constant pressure and my guys don't have that pressure. So they just get stuff done. Yeah. I mean, like I go into work, I, I want to get done everything done good and efficient. So I get stuff done quick. I don't sit around and then I work on other businesses while I'm there. I have two other businesses I do. So I work on those things while I'm waiting for other work to go and I work where I'm at during the day. So, and then I watch your other podcast three days a week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of that, like, everybody on the shift makes fun of me because I'll watch uh, like whenever Tyler Yonke or uh, Alan Mosley or uh, Eric with rebel with a cause, like anytime those guys have like a live stream going on while I'm at work, I'll pull it up and I'll listen to it. And I'll even like comment on the stream while I'm sitting there at my desk at work. And, and everybody on the, the crew will make fun of me because I, I listen to podcasts or watch these live streams all night long but they also stop by and they listen to some of what's being said. And then we have conversations about it. So mm-hmm. like they make fun of me, but they're listening to you whenever they come by and they're getting stuff out of it. And like, it's fun. And it, it kind of builds, it builds that relationship. Like uh, all of my crew knows at least a little bit about me. And I know at least a little bit about all of them. And like, are we ever going to hang out outside of work? Probably not, but we, we have a, like we have a connection. Uh, and I, I think that's, I think that's important. And I think like to Trey's point, um, talking about, you know, I'm at work to make money. Like th- th- that I'm at work to hang out and I'm going to get paid to do that. Uh, that's, and I, and the, it's a, it's a mentality thing. Like, and I've taken that with all of my jobs. That's, that's the way I, like, that's the way I handle what I do professionally is like, I'm here to hang out and get paid for that. And hopefully we get shit done in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's the way you have to approach it for the most part. But I just, I I don't know what the answer is for the young, younger people that don't actually want to do anything. I don't know. Other than they just have to grow up and I'm not sure what it is. And I've got younger people that work for me that I don't have, uh, I don't have problems with them like not getting stuff done. So, like, I don't know if it's is it that they are experiencing like too much of the the over-involved, uh, heavy-handed type of bossing that they feel like they're constantly under pressure, and so that's driving them to to not be as productive. Uh, um, and if they like, if they got to experience less of that, then they would be more productive and they might feel the inclination to, 
to go maybe not a, above and beyond, but at least to excel at what they're doing. Maybe. I think it's a little bit of that, but also if you have a parent that hasn't pushed you to do anything in life, and then all of a sudden you have a boss that's like trying to get you to actually just do the bare minimum, you know, you're going to push back on that too. So yeah, Trey says we're getting the shit pushers and that's all we've known. That's, uh, I think that's a, <clears throat> I think that's a failing of the modern um, university programs in terms of like management and stuff like that. Uh, like I, I took a couple management classes in college and I don't, I don't recall anything from those classes being having any influence on the way that I uh, actually manage. Like, the, like the stuff that you learn in those courses doesn't make you a good manager. If anything, I would say it probably does the opposite. It, it turns you into uh, uh, the kind of boss that people hate. Yeah, and we've all had those bosses. You know, people that just they nitpick on the dumbest stuff. I had that comment from a kid that uh, works for me on my shift regularly, but he's, he's normally on the opposite night block. Uh, he, he actually said that he, he said like, when I have a problem, I bring it to you and you fix it. And then I go back to work. He said on our block, if I have a problem, I bring it to the supervisor. And then he asked 4 million questions and drags it out. And like instead of just like, fixing it and moving on because nothing that we have requires a whole lot of research into why it's a problem. It's uh, our system is most of my job is making sure that this multi-million dollar uh, system that runs the whole place doesn't like actively fuck everything up all night long. And, mm -hmm. and it tries really hard. <laughs> so, so like sometimes, you know, stuff gets through the cracks and then you have to go fix it because it does dumb shit. And like, that's, 99% of the answer of why is this like this? Because the system did the wrong thing. Fix it, move on. Uh, like overcomplicating things and, and making it, uh, making the job like more convoluted. And then uh, when the, when the boss does that, uh, the supervisor or the manager or whatever, they're passing all of that on to the employees. And like, that's, it's just undue uh, stress on the employees that, that they don't need to have. Uh, that's always been my, one of my like things is you do your job and I take care of the dumb shit. Yeah. If it's, if it's a simple fix, just fix it quick. Don't, you don't need to take an hour to explain something that seriously could take 10 seconds to deal with. Yeah. Uh, it's not, not everything requires the, the five, the five W's or whatever. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so maybe it's a maybe it's not as much a a worker problem as it's a a piss poor management problem. And uh, and see that that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Uh, which I, I mean I know they do that at at my job as well. Um, You can't even fix something on your own without manager approval. I, I, I've had guys uh, from other blocks that have come to work on mine and like, they'll come and ask me if they can do something. Like, 
why in the hell wouldn't you? That that that's just logical. That makes yeah. sense. Like, uh, you don't have to ask me to for permission to do that. Just like, just fucking fix it. Yeah. And, it, and if in the process of fixing it, you accidentally fuck it up, come tell me and I can fix it. Like that's yeah. as long as you you know, there's nothing that you're gonna mess up so bad that we can't fix it. Well, I think that's one thing coming from a self-employed position that I've been in and then going into the corporate world or going into a job where I'm, yeah, I had my last, my last job before this one, I was, I worked for a distributor and if we had a problem, we would just fix it and deal with it later, fix the paperwork, deal with it later. If I call my boss to fix something, he'd be annoyed. He'd be like, why are you bothering me? Just deal with it. Just get it fixed and we'll deal with it when you get back into town. It's okay. And that's just the way it was. And I think people, I think part of the problem too is that people just don't know how to think for themselves. They they just don't have the ability. I mean, I went to, I went and got coffee the other morning and I gave the girl like $3 and like five cents. So I got 50 cents back or something like that. I can't remember what it was. And she froze. She didn't know what to do because I gave her too much money. You know, she had no idea what to do. And it was like, just give me two quarters. And she's just like, I don't know how to do it. It was like, just hand me two quarters. It's it's not that hard because the computer didn't tell her to do it. She couldn't do it. And where you do have problems with management, you also have problems with people that literally just cannot think. They can't think to save their lives. They haven't been taught how to think. I mean, does that come from the education system then where people just are literally just not able to think at all ever? make decisions on how to fix stuff. I, I do think that is, that has a lot to do with it. The the current educational system doesn't teach people to think it teaches people to regurgitate mm-hmm. uh, pre-programmed responses. Yeah. So, so you're not actually doing, you're not, you're not doing problem solving. You're, you're doing uh, memorization and repetition. Yeah. I mean, it's funny cause I have another coffee shop. Um, I was in another one going to pick up my son from camp and they had three people in the drive-thru. They had three people working, and they had three people in the lobby. And the girls were, like, freaking out. They were like, we're slammed, we're slammed, we're slammed. The one girl sat in the center of the store and said she they were slammed for, like, five minutes. Like, just give me a coffee. Like, it's not that hard. Just pour a cup of coffee and let me go. It took me 15 minutes to get a cup of coffee because she was so slammed. You know, the people, they, I, I really think some of these kids are just, do not have the ability to actually think through and, and process stuff. Like, I just don't think it's possible for some of these people. I'm trying to remember if it was on the morning show the other day or, or maybe a different show um, where we were talking about like the way people respond to stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, so it was an interview uh, that'll be coming out on peddling fiction that Johnny and I did. Uh, a couple okay. of days ago. So we were talking to, to this lady who um, has done a lot of research into like propaganda in journalism and some of the, like what goes on in the brain for that makes propaganda like work or makes it effective and how uh, journalism is, has kind of really run, you know, really run with that. Um, so like one of the, one of the things is like, there's a, a very animalistic type of a instinctual response that a lot of people have to, to certain things. So um, like if somebody yells fire in a, in a movie theater, then 
the overwhelming majority of the crowd just like freaks the fuck out and tramples each other running to get to the exit. Whereas um, like somebody like, like me or probably like you or most of the people who listen to the show, when you hear that, your first instinct is where? Yeah. You slow things down. You assess the situation. Like, where's the fire? What's the problem? Like, what's the, what's the next step? It's not just, Oh fuck run. And, Mm. and I don't think our, our education system is not helping people develop that. Like there is something that is instinctual and, and natural about that, but there is also something that has to be like taught and learned about that. And the way society is geared today, it doesn't, it doesn't do that. It doesn't teach that. It teaches like the visceral, immediate, like fight or flight reaction Mm -hmm. to everything all the time. There is no analytical like processing of a situation when things happen. You just have to like respond immediately. Well, two things on that. The first one is if you see a bunch of people running away because somebody yelled fire, go the opposite way. You know, walk, find, find a different exit. Don't go where they're all going because you're going to get trampled too. But yeah, you're right that they, they can't, people can't take anything. That's why like when you're online and you make a point, people either block you or call you a phobe or whatever they want to call you that you're arguing over because they can't take that pushback. They can't take that. You know, the, the reaction is like, oh, you're this because you disagree with me. And it, it's a, you know, sorry, I heard those two things. <laughs> those two things as you were talking, but yeah, I think that's part of it. It's like people when when there's when there's a problem, people run away, but they all run the same direction, right? You know, it's like when when I walk in a room, maybe this is just because I grew up in Detroit. When I walk in a room, I look for the exits. <laughs> you know, I'm like, where do I need to look for when I'm going out of it? If it's somewhere I haven't been before. You know, I'm kind of watching over my shoulder. I don't like sitting in certain places because I can't see what's going on. But you get some people that just, they're just unaware of their surroundings at all. They have no idea what their surroundings are. And they, they can't, they can't function. They can't think. They can't do anything because they haven't been told to do it. Well, you see that in society a lot, like, especially just like out in public. Like, people have no spatial awareness. People mm-hmm. like, like, you'll see people like literally physically bumping into each other because they just have no idea like where other people are. It's almost like nobody has depth perception. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy. Well, just, I mean, driving a Costco parking lot, you know, there's, they're driving a walk through a Costco. People just have no idea. They're just looking around in their cart and they're just, and then they bump into you. It's like, it happens to my wife and I every other week. Somebody's just, Nobody's paying attention. People are driving down the wrong way down the lane or somebody's pulling out without even looking. You know, nobody nobody pays attention to anything anymore. God, they, I so old, don't I? <laughs> I? I mean, me too. They they expect the direction to just be given to them. Like, oh, I didn't I didn't know that you couldn't do that. Nobody told nobody told me. Uh, mm-hmm. like, just I don't know, pay pay attention. Like it's yeah. Why did somebody have to specifically tell you? Like, that's so. Maybe it's. I, I think what we're kind of coming around to is like, especially talking about back to the like the main topic of 
like the quiet quitting and, and younger people in the workforce. I, I think it's, it's a combination of things. Like it's not just necessarily that young people suck and are lazy, um, you know, which they do present company excluded. Uh, uh, Magoo's not young. So he just is lazy and sucks, but yeah, tra- you know, Trey, Trey doesn't suck and he's not lazy, but generally speaking, young people are and do, um, Wandering retards, also a killer '90s band. We're we, we're on a roll tonight. Is is wandering retards another way of quiet quitting? Or probably. <laughs> oh, they wouldn't be able to see. They wouldn't be able to quiet fire you, or they would only be able to quiet fire you. They couldn't actually fire you if you were actually yeah. just a, a wandering retard. Because you're a retard, they can't fire you. That. That's right. <laughs> but like what we're kind of coming around to is it's it's not just that young people are lazy and suck, but also. The education system is really pushing young people in that direction of being lazy and sucking by Bad not parenting, pre- by not preparing them. Yep, parenting yeah. is also setting them up for failure in that same way. the The current managerial class, like having those textbook awful fucking managers that uh, that either I was actually reading an interesting article from uh, it's Inside Hook that talks about like work uh, workplace monitoring systems, like for, for people that work on a computer, like a monitoring system that tells how long it's taking them to do tasks and stuff like that. I, why, why I, I can, I, I just can't see a, a universe where monitoring everybody's computer to see how long it's taking them to do something is going to be productive. Like, well, how's that going to motivate you to want to be, you know, it's like, hey, you you didn't get your TPS reports done in like 0.8 seconds. It took you 0.12 seconds. And it's like, so? <laughs> right. Like, like, June had a question for me. Leave me alone. <laughs> Sorry. Well, like this, this article talks about why that's a bad thing. Uh, like the fact that it's a thing at all is mm-hmm. just baffling to me. Like, uh... well, you, you were you know coming up with the reasons why but i think part of it too is like when i say bad parenting i mean the the kind of parenting it's like where you know the kid comes home and it's like hey mom i'm a boy now not a girl and the mom's like oh okay no problem you know there's there's no like hey no let's work this out let's deal with some issues it's it's okay great and so when you know these kids and they just they they do whatever they feel and it's not what they want, it's what they feel. And then they go into the workplace, and it's like, oh, I don't feel like working today, or I don't feel like actually trying. And why would you try? When when your whole life, every time you're like, I don't feel like doing this, or I feel like this, you have a parent saying, yeah, whatever, go for it. Like, there's there's no motivation there. There's no, there's no you've never been taught right or wrong, or good or bad you've just been taught whatever you feel like doing too so that's going to come over into the workplace for sure yeah it's uh maybe what we've uh, kind of figured out tonight is there's there's a lot more going on than just just the uh on the surface quiet quitting is because young people are lazy and suck maybe we need uh we need more like good manager types Mm-hmm. Like, 
Well, you need more good managers. You need more companies that are not going to just, you know, they, they just don't want a drone. They want somebody to actually work and be good for the company. And I don't think you get that when you're in some of these super large corporations. I don't think it's possible to get that. Because at that point, you're just drones. Right, especially with the way some of them are set up in in bigger cities and stuff. Like, like if you are working for a corporation, but it's, you know, you're in a facility that's out, you know, relatively rural or suburban, and, like, you're away from the, the hustle and bustle and stuff like that, like, I think that's where you have the opportunity to get more of the, uh, like the more interpersonal type of relationship with coworkers and bosses and stuff like that. But which kind of goes back to a theme that I've been talking about for a while: is get the fuck out of cities. Yep. Get get out more rural and find stuff that's disconnected from all that shit. Yeah, we're a half hour outside of a big city, and I think I still think it's too close. So. That's. I think that's a. That's gonna be like my common theme is, is if you're in a city, get the fuck out. Uh, mm-hmm. Like. Well, you see these videos, of these people walking in New York City, and just some kid comes up behind them and just sucker punches them and knocks them out. It's like, and then you can't protect yourself because if you do protect yourself, you're gonna go to jail for protecting yourself. So it, yeah, get get out of the cities. You, there's there's nothing good in the cities anymore. Well, um, California ranked like number one in uh, least happiness for people living there. Like, you um, sure that wasn't Michigan? I think that's Michigan. <laughs> California was number one. Jersey was number two. Pennsylvania was number three. I understand Jersey being number two. That that makes sense. Um, I've been through Jersey a couple times. Yeah, I mean, it's like it was a lot of the usual suspects. Indiana was number four, which I thought was odd, but that is typically, weird. typically for polling on that kind of stuff, they usually ask people in like big cities. They don't tend to, uh, they don't tend to call people who are more rural because people who are more rural don't answer the phone if they don't recognize the number. So, yeah, but Indianapolis is pretty big city, isn't it? Right, and and that's what my wife and I were talking about. I was like, well. I bet you most of the people that like responded to this survey are either from Gary and like right outside of Chicago where it's fucking miserable or they're, or they're in Indy where it's fucking miserable or they're in Bloomington where it's a, like a complete progressive hellhole, and they're fucking miserable. They're like, I guarantee you nobody who's like out here in the sticks answered the phone or responded to the survey because fuck those guys. Why would we, you know, like if I don't recognize your number, I'm probably, I'm probably not going to answer. And there's a good chance. I'm just going to hit block immediately to make sure you don't call me again. Like, yes, definitely. They're either calling about your car warranty or, <laughs> but so like most of the respondents are going to be from the cities. And you now like you see uh, the top 10 States for like most happiness are like North Dakota and Idaho, Iowa, Nebraska, like these states that don't have big cities and like everybody can just disappear out in the middle of nowhere and enjoy life. Like, yeah, I kind of want to move down to Tennessee. We we're talking Florida. Florida sounds great, but there's too many big cities in Florida. I think Tennessee is kind of a rural Tennessee. Like, 
Gatlinburg area, you know, like outside of Gatlinburg. Up the Talk Tennessee to me. River. I know Tennessee yeah. pretty well. Yeah, that's where I want to go. And get some get like ten acres out there and just, I, I mean that's the way to go. Live. Like Yeah. Get get off the grid, get out of the cities and and go actually enjoy life. And and you're a lot more likely to find a job that's going to pay better and have a good work environment than, than you're going to find in any city. I mean, uh, if the cities got completely abandoned and just fell to ruins, that would probably be the best thing that could ever happen in this country. Uh. Well, it's happening in New York right now. I mean, you have people leaving. You can't get a moving truck in New York anymore. It was the like same. In, it was the same in California for like the majority of 2021. Uh, it was such a mm-hmm. mass exodus that they they were overbooked on U-Hauls leaving the state. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I almost moved to Brooklyn about six or eight years ago. I am so happy that never worked out. I like. I would not. There's no way I'd have been stuck in there right now. Plus, all of New York smells like piss. I. I I lived 30 miles north of Philly for a little over a year. And at the time, my plan was to stay there. Uh, I was going to, when my boss retired, I was going to take his spot. Um, and I ended up getting divorced and moving back down here. And I am so glad. Like, just, I can't imagine. I mean, Indiana was bad enough with the way our governor handled things during COVID. Like, I can't imagine being in Pennsylvania and working in new jersey and having to travel to maryland and new york for work like to be in that just progressive hellhole in the middle of covid and trying to have a job oh my gosh i can't imagine michigan's been michigan was horrible hell our governor killed off a bunch of old people Well, you know, they they tried to kidnap her, so. <laughs> the FBI tried to kidnap her, you mean, right? Oh <laughs> uh, well, Steve, this has been fun. Uh thanks. Got anything you want to plug or, or anything going on here to as we uh, wrap it up? The only thing I want to plug is I have a new coffee business that'll be opening up uh probably about three weeks. It's called Fox and Sons Coffee Company. Um should open up in about three weeks. You'll hear commercials on a show that we all know. So, oh, cool, awesome. That's it. Well, thanks again for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, the chat has been pretty active tonight, mostly Trey and a little bit of Mark and Magoo. But, uh, thank you everybody who comments and, and participates in these live streams. And for everybody who's listening on the podcast, uh, if you also want to come on and talk about a topic that I talk about. Just hit me up like Steve did, and I will platform literally anybody. I don't care. I just like to talk to people who are fun to talk to. So let's have a conversation. In the meantime, hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and I will be back on Wednesday with a brand-new episode. I'm actually going to be talking about um, SADS and some of the new CDC uh, COVID information that aligns with all the YouTube videos I had taken down a year ago. So hope everybody has a good one and uh, I'll see you on Wednesday. Take it easy. Thanks.